So therefore, be proud to be a decent American rather than be just a wanker whipping up fear. Because you're supposed to tackle people, you're supposed to hit people at pace and hit them hard as part of the game. It's not chess we're playing. I'd like to take this chance to apologize to absolutely nobody. The double champ does what the f- he wants. Hello everybody and welcome along to WTS Pod, the 114th edition of the award winning podcast. Dropping that in there. My name's Danny Murray. I'm Graham Merrigan. How are you? Great, how are you? Tremendous. Um, uh, we did a deadly 600 <coughs> this week. We did, we've done a, a fantastic edition of the 600 this week, our uh, 10 minute mini podcast, if you can call it that. I like the posters that you've come up with. The, yeah, they started out of nothing man, just Snapchat messing like, and uh People seem to be saying, keep them going. So, it's basically just me sticking my face in your face <laughs> yeah. on well-known scenes or something like that. <laughs> Except for the St. Patrick's one yeah, last I was, week. I was trying to basically... You struggled there, you did. I did. Well, it's hard to find a picture of St. Patrick booting a snake up the hole, in fairness. <laughs> so, a cartoon is all I could find, and I went for it. Um, but, yeah, we, were, uh, we should also say as well, as the Dublin Podcast Festival is coming up, we're going to be announcing... Our lineup for that this coming week, which was confirmed today, a three-person lineup yeah, panel. Three, three, yeah, we're going for a panel. Um, tickets available via Ticketmaster.ie, and uh, yeah, you're going to want to check it out. But also check out some of the other podcasts: Dubland, Friend of the Show, PJ Gallagher, and uh, Scroobius Pip as well. Yeah, yeah, I was more so going for the plug of me mate there. All right, sorry. <laughs> Thanks for interrupting me though with the. What's Scrooby's Pips podcast called again? Uh, distraction Pieces. Did you ever listen to it? Yes. Any use? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Ashleen B, uh, she's on it this week. Is she, yeah. yeah? Actually, all the podcasts at the Dublin Podcast Festival are brilliant. Yeah, yeah, yeah they are, yeah. I, I listen to all of them all the time. You see, now you're making me seem disingenuous because you, you put me on the spot with an absolute burner of a question, man. Sorry, i just seen the, the banner, the poster. I was quite proud of ourselves being on a poster for yeah. the festival, so um, I got a bit hyper and I just randomly brought Scroobius Pip into the conversation. Good man. He's no, an MMA fan, isn't he? I've no idea. Okay, free yeah. ex-Scroobius Pip. Uh, no, there are genuinely a lot of good podcasts out it, lads, so check out Dublin Podcast Festival as well. Irish Man Abroad. Irish Man Abroad. Um, you've got Dublin, obviously, as you said. You've got... What's the um, story? What's the story? Yeah, uh, Serial is coming over. Uh, Welcome to Night Vale is coming over. Um, the, uh, the big interview with Graham Hunter... And pretty much the entire Headstuff Podcast Network as well. So that'd be worth checking out. But anyway, Fitzpatrick Castle is where we are tonight. So we need to say thanks to them, FitzpatrickCastle.com. Go there and uh, eat their food and stay in their beds and don't don't wreck the gaff because they'll know we sent you and it'll be an absolute disaster, lads. So <laughs> just behave when you come up here, please. People yeah, it's quite bally, posh. People at Ballybreck, mostly. Everyone compliments our studio up here. Yeah, with our Subudio uh, thing on the table. It's <laughs> yeah. great. Um, Meryl Yes Who have we got this week We have Paralympic legend Paralympic gold medal swimmer From London the Re- uh, London I was going to say The Rio Games Sorry <laughs> The London Games 2012 Darren McDonald How are you How's it going lads Yeah no We're pretty posh here Even though I'm <laughs> a little bit I'm new from Valley Bar And I can still feel the poshness <laughs> I, I, I'm unwelcome I'm 
it's in the air or something but anyway <laughs> we're real posh aren't we yeah. right, right up in the hills of Kalini that's it should be wearing a suit or something don't yeah like well did you not get the memo we asked kind of asked you to wear a three piece it was black toy invite man oh, I forgot the dicky bow first and foremost thanks man for coming up to us oh, really appreciate thanks for your time great to be on it's uh, it's always great when we have uh, real athletes in the room because Mero likes to say he's I've heard that yeah yeah you know uh, rolling around the place is the key word there yeah, exactly <laughs> yeah you know and what about you what do you mean what about me <laughs> what about you uh, world class alpha punda <laughs> sofa punda that's a title nowadays people get paid that's a podcast that's a podcast in the making uh, sorry we're trademarking that anybody yeah. who takes that title lads I'm coming for you the sofa punda I probably won't come for you especially if you're upstairs or you know uphill or oh you get the gist out of sofa punda that's a good yeah one. it is actually yeah, yeah it is yeah um, yeah so we've had oh well I mean we've we've had Johnny Fulham in terms of Paralympics on before and we've had Saskia Toidy and Wayne McCullough yeah. from the Olympics on so I mean we're building a little club here yeah we are building the club steps yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. I like this I like this so far you're the most stylish of them all and I'm not sure to take that one to be honest with you yeah, yeah. I, I mean we'll go, with it. We'll go with it but it's our first gold medalist well that's true yeah that is true and no disrespect to Saskia when I say the most stylish but like she it's doesn't rock a beard as well as Dara does. But, but she legged it to Great Britain. So. Oh, that's right. I forgot she's a torn coat. She's a torn coat now, so. Saskia, you broke all her hearts. Would you ever do that, Dara? No. If you were still competing? No, no. None that nonsense. No. no. <laughs> nonsense. It wasn't. No, I remember being in Iceland one year. It was, it was 2009 at European Championships. And it was two, two weeks before and I got a terrible chest infection. And... In my peak, the only time you ever saw a six pack on me was right before this. I was, I was 15. Now. I was going to say, you're about 15, yeah, I was 16. About 15. But anyway, I went out and whatever. I was sick, it was a terrible competition, blah, blah, blah. And I just remember at the end, it was me and a dwarf from England called Matthew Warwood. And I was in terrible nick. Like, And it's coming up the final 100. And you just see all the British lads up cheering because we're neck and neck. And normally I'm faster than them. I just had memories in 1916 flying through my head, all <laughs> rebel songs. I was like, no. Nah, I'm, I'm winning this I'm winning this so anyway he came second so and he was third so like you can't argue too much yeah well just you won the mental war there yeah the, the ghost of 1916 driving me it, on like, yeah, that's unbelievable you, so um, he was a dwarf yeah so what's the classification that, that you're in there? I was an S6 okay what does yeah, that mean the, for our well I suppose swimming ranges from S1 to I suppose S14 now all the physical ones are S1 to S10 so S10 you're missing pretty much your wrist down and S1 you're kind of just like a head blowing yourself along in the water that kind of thing no, really? not, not really <laughs> Jesus <laughs> so I was bang in the middle anyway for anyone who doesn't know I'm, I'm missing both my legs and one of my arms uh, just below below the knees and uh, below the elbow so yeah right. I, but kind of bang in the middle side of things so okay. yeah a crash course in swimming classifications yeah yeah, 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 yeah. did so. you ever see when Channel 4 kind of took over the Paralympic sport their crash course and classification was brilliant that was a top quality they it was did, amazing they wasn't it job. Like it, they got it across well and there was no no nonsense but yeah. complicated topic like a lot of people like it's one of the most complained about things in Paralympic sport classification but like at the end of the day you do what you deal with what you're, what you're given kind of thing there's yeah. no change and ultimately and yeah. it, is, it can be unfair sometimes but like you have to get on with things well, like, it's funny you mentioned about the classification there because we were talking recently about Icarus 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 about the doping and I remarked that <clears throat> in Paralympic sport it's like a lot tougher for say not the dopers but for like if you want to be strict now tell me if i'm wrong but this is my perception if you want to be strict and crack down on dopers you also have to be aware of people who are 
misclassifying themselves would that be fair well i, I suppose without uh compromising myself there was definitely a trend of going if you wanted to get classified lower you'd go to certain countries and get it done like i think if you talk to anyone in paralympic sport who's not governing it they'll tell you the same thing but i remember talking about doping specifically i remember when we were in london we had this big um briefing on uh you probably know more about this boosting it was called okay it was basically lads who were gone from the waist to the chest down what they do is they get a hammer and just bang themselves in the leg and because you can't feel it it still releases all the adrenaline and they were te- it was the first uh, I'm not sure if they were monitoring it or testing it for the first time in the major games but apparently it's a serious thing because you just have all this adrenaline that doesn't normally release for a lad in a wheelchair bang going right before the race and then suddenly you're in the water and you're speeding along so because they've no feelings in their legs they wallop themselves and the get- adrenaline just goes supposedly now I don't know how it works but like yeah. is that how you score your three pointers <laughs> <laughs> It's all skill, it's all skill. It's all skill, you don't. Jesus, that's mad, though, isn't it? That's mental, though, isn't it? Yeah, I don't know what what became of it. it I don't know if it was really a thing. You know the way they get these notions into their head and you have to be acting on something or dealing with something? Like, maybe it was that, but, like... So, anything to gain a bit of an advantage. Anything to gain a bit of an advantage. That's it, that's how... That's that's what it seems. But that's all sports now. Paralympic sport, Olympic sport, football. It's the nature of it, Athletics. It's everything, isn't it? I know, but that's, like... I never would have thought of using adrenaline as, like, in, in that way. Do you know what I mean? Actually, so, so the advantage there is that you get a good start? I'm not sure. I've no yeah. idea, to be honest yeah. with you. This was a, just something to do with adrenaline, and it pop, pops it off, like, before you get in the water. So you get, it must be when you start here. I don't think it was across a good, all sports. It wasn't just swimming now. So I, I suppose that's the benefit madness, to, the adrenaline does kick in when you're in anyway. Maybe it's just yeah. that it's an earlier start, and that's where the advantage is. But That's mental, isn't it? Yeah, it's, it's a weird one. Like, you'd wonder, like... Just do it naturally. What are you bothering for? Yeah, like, what are you, know? you bothering? Yeah, don't know. I suppose um, it's 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 similar to suppose to when I order that spice bag, <laughs> and I see the car pulling up in the driveway. I go get a, a rush of adrenaline there to get up and get to the door quick. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. oh, Speaking you. of spice bags, you know what I discovered during the week? The spice bag seasoning. Oh, yeah. game changer, game changer. <laughs> oh, I don't really like it. You need to get out. Yeah, well, now I was at a barbecue and it was quite salty. Right, there's salt in it. Yeah, there's yeah, too much salt probably. But. Yeah, I don't know. I've I've actually taken to using it on a bit of steak. Genuinely, oh. yeah. Because I tried to make my own uh, crispy shredded chicken and I failed miserably. So then I was like, right, I need to make use of this spice bag mix because it's tasty. Like, yeah. Straight onto a bit of steak. Whatever. And where do you get it? Back since. Uh, I think I got it in Super Value. I think. Mm. Is it actually called spice bag mix? It yeah. is, isn't it? Oh, yeah. I love it. Yeah. I'm sure you can get it in all good retail. And do you get spice bags in Gordy? Oh, more of the four and one side of things down there. Now. Oh, really? After a few pints, you go into uh, called the Ming Garden. You get your four and one. So. <laughs> Ming Garden. Yeah. Ming Garden. Yeah. Ming Garden. <laughs> Named, of course, after Ming the Merciless when he visited Gory in nineteen. <laughs> <laughs> or Luke the Ming Flanagan. Luke Ming Flanagan. Shout um, out to Luke. Where did when did competitive uh, racing start for you? Um, you were quite young, weren't you? I suppose it was two thousand six or so. Yeah, two years before Beijing. Basically, it started because I was getting heavy, like, and obviously the prosthetic legs have a weight limit on it, and we cycled through, and my parents kind of tried everything with me, did horse riding for a bit, and obviously you're kind of limited in your running sports and no hurling or any of that stuff, so eventually we found swimming and just so happened I was good at it too, so it kind of worked out well, so I suppose I was in a more recreational club in Cortown, which is, I suppose, 
10 minutes away from Gorey. And then as things got a little bit more serious, um, I moved over to Arklow, to Asgard. And I suppose that's where I was up until London before I moved up to Dublin. So that that, that was kind of the timeline and where I was and everything, yeah. It's mad that you were 12 starting and then you were in Beijing competing as a 14-year-old. Yeah, it's it, what actually happened with Beijing, there used to be a fellow who swam from up north. He was an S6 as well. And uh, so he was the same classification. And it was, I remember it was October of 2007. And back then... I suppose my, there was a couple of us, there was myself and Alan Keane, but we were both young, so obviously our parents were still floating about a bit. And we were at a training camp in the NAC, and I'd been training away, whatever, and my dad was adamant. Sorry, this fellow from up north, Johnny Cummins was his name, his main event. He was going to Beijing for the 400 free, right? So dad was like, give Dara a go. And they're like, no, no, he's too young, can't be doing it. Because in Paralympic sport, the 400, kind of, it's the max distance you can do in the pool, and it's the big boy event, I suppose, well, I, a little bit biased maybe, but anyway, so we ran, ran that training-wise, and it turned out that I, I actually bet bet Johnny, and obviously a training race, so we won't hold it to get, slag him off too much about it, but I actually bet him, and do, in doing it, I came four seconds under the qualifying time, the first time I ever did it, so obviously there was a big panic to get me to an actual competition then and get it registered officially, but what actually happened was, uh, wow. it, there's, there's wild cards in Paralympic sport, like it, it's different to able-bodied sport and that everyone who qualifies usually gets to go, Paralympic sport there's a certain number of slots, so in Beijing the swim team got three slots, and or maybe it got four slots, either way it got two or three wild cards, and I was actually a wild card, so I wasn't going, Um. And then obviously got the wild card, super lucky, and ended up going and winning silver. So like, uh, it was a from the chain of events where you're in uh, October and get let him do it, no, and then just by luck you end up doing it, and then it kind of it developed on so quickly and then became a thing. Obviously, when we eventually got over there, so you're in China, age fourteen. I don't, I don't even remember to be honest. Really, you know, when you're there, it's something like that, and you're completely overwhelmed at that age. I go. You'd be, I actually can't remember anything about it to be honest with you like there goes about 50% of my questions then um, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah I mean but I can like well I, I've never been to Beijing but I can imagine that even just but I suppose if you were in the athletes village and all that kind of thing I was going to say it might have been a bit of a culture shock kind of you know what I mean yeah, especially I at 14 like you're kind of you're in, in a little bubble when you're over there like mm. it, before before London we went to Portugal for two weeks before going to the village but before uh Beijing we were in um we were in Beijing itself in a, in a hotel nearby so you were kind of it was even more in a bubble because obviously the language gap and everything and yeah. it's so far away from home different time zone all that so you didn't even we went to see the Great Wall I think but that was pretty much all the is it a Great did. Wall it's a fancy set of stairs to be honest with you like <laughs> uh, is it a Great Wall <laughs> it's good you don't want to see the lose of the Great Wall now no are you serious no, no a hole on the ground no door on the thing it's a bit dodgy like you wouldn't want to be shy like <laughs> i wouldn't th- well they wouldn't be able for me but i wouldn't be able for that now. <laughs> can you imagine that me after a spicy bag going for yeah in china hell yeah. <laughs> <laughs> sorry <that's... laughs> there's, tangent there. there's a mental image for you um that's my yeah because everybody always goes on like i'd love to see the great wall blah 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 but like no uh Carl Pilkington ruined it for me. Did he? Yeah, and he's like, it's just a wall. It's it's like some road on some motorway. (laughs) (laughs) Um, You know, being 14 and going to Beijing, like, I always wondered, because I've seen in in the past about uh, the age of athletes, how come you're allowed to be so young competing? 
Well, I suppose, like you're, because you're essentially you're competing against adults. Yeah, I, I was. Uh, Adam was the youngest girl, and I think I was the youngest fella there, nearly across the board, across all the countries. Like we're definitely at the lower range of things, um, but. Uh, they've changed the rules now. I think you have to be over 16 now, but well, whatever. Well, Is that because there's the junior games? Well, that's certainly... Uh, I, I've no idea, but certainly in the Irish the side of things, they've made it a rule that you need to be over a certain age. But at the end of the day, like if you, if you can hit the times, like yeah. you, ha- you have to go. Like, yeah. you know that's what I mean? kind of like, the, the attitude of the gymnasts, isn't it? Because all of them are about seven. That's what I mean. The gym. That's a different yeah. game, though, because like, you, you always hear about the gymnasts. It stunts your growth if you do it before this age. That's why they all end up so small forever. Really? Yeah, apparently, that. That, apparently that's the science behind it, why they're all tiny forever. It's because if you wow. do it too heavy. So, I don't, I don't know. Like, there's a balance because you're there, even from being the... I was obviously 14 in Beijing and 18 in London. So, like, even when you're looking back at it, 18, back at when you're 14, you're like, Jesus, I wasn't absorbing this. Yeah. yeah. How could I perform not knowing the things i know now that kind of side of things but look i always saw it as a learning curve and that was kind of my life that was the logic and kind of there was no pressure put on me to perform at any stage like it wasn't you said you're competing against men i wasn't there to compete you know what i mean yeah, i was yeah. there to get the experience so when london finally came around you could go bing bang boom right so you knew at that age that you were kind of going right london oh well you're, you were for once you knew that you were going to beijing it was just like ah here would forward forward on four years time like this is the start of something rather than being something in its own independent right yeah and it just so happened that i trained well enough and was good enough to medal there as well like that was that was the bonus on top yeah. of the whole going there if you know what i mean yeah, but you became a world champion before london before didn't london you? yeah no i was after london where i won my first yeah montreal in 2013 oh sorry the year of my bloody leaving cert yeah, I, I I got my leaving cert. We're at the- Hang on, I hadn't even fucking thought of that. You were, so yeah, exactly. You're yeah. competing in Olympics and all that crack and world championships, <laughs> and in the middle of all this, you're expected to get six A1s and you're bleeding leaving. I was done for six A1s. Suspected <laughs> of me now, but anyway. But yeah, I know that. You're a full-time athlete, like. Yeah, yeah. I'm a full-time. That's it. Yeah. Like, I, I, I was training 24 hours a week once. You were. I think it was. It's averaging around 15, maybe, during school time. Then you up at the 24 as soon as you get off. like and Jesus. Oh, look, what's your, you're not missing anything. People always think that when you're going through. Like, you're yeah. not missing anything. At that that age. Like, you're not yeah, doing anything age, else. Yeah. But even as a, as a college, like when I, when I was in college, you're not missing it. Like, you, you still go out the odd time and have mm. a few drinks. Like, But most of it's fluff. Like, you're, you're doing something. You're dedicating your life to it. So you, there's no... You're not missing any of the nonsense that goes yeah. on. You still make the friends. You still have the crack. Like it's just a different type of crack. Like yeah. On the way to, uh, like, I'm just interested because you were so young. Like, was there a was there a sense of at 16 or whatever kind of going right? I'm actually really good at this. Not really to me because I was always very. See the the biggest mistake. Were you I, still doing it as fun, kind of towards London? Well, I suppose well, it it kind of changed. I suppose it was an up up until London. It was fun because I was still in school. You know what I mean? It was a, it was very it was a hobby, but obviously a really serious hobby. Now, of course, I was getting funded. And I, I think I started getting funded in two thousand and nine, so it did have the I suppose a certain element of the job aspect. But it wasn't for it wasn't I'm doing this for money or anything, and like you couldn't do it for money because like the funding wasn't that good enough back then. So. It was still very much a hobby and it stayed a hobby until it, it became inconvenient and became difficult, you know what I mean? And when you're focused, I suppose before London, like I, I remember I was training at our club and 
you go up and you'd be thinking about London, you'd be thinking about winning, you're getting the shivers, like that's not a job, you know what I mean? When you're when you're getting those feelings. So up until at London, it was very much a serious, serious hobby, you know what I mean? A passion, I suppose, is probably the better way to put it than, than a hobby. Yeah, So, but the, the, look, the excitement as well of looking forward to apparently big games, being so close to home. Exactly, well. that was it. That was the huge thing about London. Like it was as close as we're ever going to get really to a home game so there's never going to be anything like that and that's the, the i suppose that's another aspect of beijing to throw in it was only my parents there there was no one else and in london i had fair uh, the girlfriend friends from home friends from school a lot of family over so it made Brilliant. it more special to share it and I, as soon as i won i got about an hour with them and then I had to, they were on the bloody piss drinking heineken because heineken was the bloody sponsor in beer and they were in a heineken beer garden and i'm sitting there with metal oh this is great great <laughs> dying and then i Oh, Dara, it's, it's half nine. You better go back. You're racing in two days' time. So I trotted off, and they continued partying for the night. So Jesus, gone mad. <laughs> it's mad. But. M- wouldn't mind a few points. Ah, but look, I... I- Eyes on the goal, I suppose, you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. But, yeah. They were there for you, though. That was brilliant. Yeah. The, uh, was there many crowds in Beijing? Well, anyway? it, was, it was packed in Beijing. But I think, what, what did the water cube hold? I think it was 18,000 or something like that. And it was full. Now, how legitimately full it was and not get going you know what i mean yeah. it's is another question you're going <laughs> yeah exactly well you know the way china is like but, uh, <laughs> just, that was it like but anyway it was full so there was crowds there but it's different when it's a home crowd it's an english-speaking crowd and there's yeah. family there as well like so yeah and london then was just packed london was packed london was sold out and issues getting tickets and pain in the arse to, to to find the tickets but look everyone got in everyone got to see it and that was the main thing so that's yeah. what made it special we were talking to uh saskia toidy who was sailing um at the rio games and she was saying although she was her sport is of sailing she had kind of the crack that she would have had in the in the village with all the other kind of athletes team ireland's um she said it was brilliant all the time would it, was there was it the same with the Paralympics? Because we were quite successful at the London Games. Yeah, it was one hundred percent the same. Like when you're stuck for a month, effectively with fifty, I think there was forty nine of us in London. When you're stuck with the, for that long with that many people, you get to know all the rest of the people because you obviously have the swim team. And then you get sick of them after a week, so you go on <laughs> and, and you mingle with everyone else, and there's the crack, and you have a few bloody team building activities the odd quiz here mm. quiz there to keep everyone entertained because the, ca- the cabin fever is a serious issue when you're oh, away so. from so. home in a bloody hotel because everyone everyone thinks this is this is the way my friends thought oh you're you're going off to spain for two weeks to train i was like they're like it's a holiday i'm like you don't understand how boring hotels are like after yeah. when you're you're getting up you're training you're going back to bed you're getting up and training again then you're eating then you're going to sleep and it's the same over there so you have to make your entertainment and the getting to know people is the best it was a great team over there now and it obviously was bolstered by the fact we did so well yeah and yeah. would you have, have conversed with other countries at all um i don't know there's a few like i i kind of kept mostly to my, my myself in a, in a large way because i was so focused on it and the moment you're kind of trying to keep to yourself and stay in the zone and i suppose afterwards we did have a great bit of crack and we have had a great bit of crack after most uh games like specifically like the 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 netherlands the canadians and the english we've always had i suppose stereotypically good relationships with like we've always had the crack with them so you would have seen them on the circuit for years that's it like (laughs) you you kind of grow up surrounded by these people and you always you're in the call room with them before the race and you get the nod and then you how that go and it, it, it develops very it's natural but i suppose what amplifies it so much is you're in such a high pressure environment hmm. 
the highs are so high and the lows are so low you get to know people very quickly right in that sense of thing so there's a, it's a great sense of community but at the same time you, you you're trying to balance that with the competitiveness of it as well like and it's the the only low of it kind of the cabin fever ah there's a lot of lows when you get when you get over there there's a there's a lot of politics involved in every sport as you probably well know so you have to watch yourself is the wrong word and it's the right word at the same time you know what i mean <laughs> so it's just that you have to be selfish as well and like you, that can cause issues when you're selfish mm. but when you're there to do it when you're dedicated two or three years of your life yeah to a certain extent you have to give, give the middle fingers and say how would you be selfish to you like so you have to focus on your own goal like it would be team building here you want to do that you're in with a roommate no I'm going to bed end of this like in they wanted to be doing something else, but you you have to just be eyes on your own goal. You know what I mean, mm. and try be conscious of what they want as well. And it's it's a fine balancing act. You're all there for the same reason, really, isn't it? Especially with individual sports. See, you're all there for the same reason, then you're not, and that's that's the issue. That's what that's my issue with I suppose sport in Ireland at the moment is what you're not going over. And I respect people individually, and they want to do this and they want to do well you're going over to win and there's too much focus on, on going over for a top eight finish or a top 10 finish like the, it's nonsense like you're either going over to win target the best and if you come eighth that's your kind of contingency plan that's the backup yeah. oh this is this is grand we had our eyes we were going for this but this is a solid backup you know what i mean and so in a set you are all there for the same reason but people especially when you're it's the same high pressure environment people that it's very easy to shake your confidence like you're there you're in your holding camp and suddenly you have a bad training session and then oh jesus is the last two years i'm gonna mess it up i'm going bad now and then it gets into your head and all so you have to it's individual and everyone's going for the same thing but everyone else is facing different things and different i suppose makeups when you're when you're there so like having your head in the in the right sort of headspace and that and not that I'm saying any of the athletes had that kind of attitude of, um, you know, I'm happy just to be here kind of thing, but maybe avoiding the athletes who maybe were shown glimpses of that attitude. Was that something that started to consciously creep in? or uh, To describe it in the best way, there's an attitude when you go away, and I, I experienced this before London, and it, it's kind of, to give it, it's like McGregor operates, right? I said, I'm going to win in London, right? And there are athletes who won't come in. And I got given out to over and over, Dara, you have to manage expectations, your own expectations. You can't be saying that to papers. You can't be saying that you're going for gold. What happens if you come second? What happens if you come third? That's a lot of bloody nonsense. Like, yeah. And you have a lot of people who are failing to commit to how well they want to do. Like, And that's, that, that, that's what I mean by the, the head games if you're not committing to winning then what what are you doing like you're dedicating your life get on with it and if if you don't no one no one in the history of ever has begrudged anyone for saying i want to win and then come in six no one's like oh geez what a fool like there's like hard luck which is completely yeah. different a completely different thing and everyone's afraid of that aspect and it's fostered by everything else that's by the people advising them and the people the media people trying to control the situation but at the end of the day if you want a f- proper following behind you like the likes of mcgregor have you have to make the bold statements and go i'm going to win this and i was I, I very like that i think in my own head well in my own head and as much as i could be without getting in too much trouble and told to stop uh that's what i went for and that's what i mean by the other people that uh, you want to surround yourself with the right type of people and 
when there's people around you who are ifing and button and complaining about a classification here, a class, oh, the class is too hard and it's not fair. Nonsense, get on with it. And that's what I mean by kind of isolating yourself from that in the right way, the word isolating. Yeah. It's to keep your kind of yeah, you, psychology. You can't falter your own It's all about confidence. that sports psychology stuff, isn't it? Yeah, like yeah, sports psychology goes... Uh, I'm kind of half and half with the sports psychology. Like it depends if you're a, you sound like a very strong Roy Keane, Conor McGregor type individual, and that's I'm basing that purely on the last five minutes of your conversation. Uh, but I mean, the, someone mightn't be like that, and they might need the sports psychology. Would, would that the, be fair? I, I there's aspects of sports psychology. The one I don't agree. A lot of people. Well, the one I don't agree with is the one that a lot of people find useful is this visualization of you can see yourself there, you see yourself there. I'd be more on the other side of things in the resilience side of things. Like, there's nothing that could have hit me out there. You forgot your tail. You forgot your racing togs. There was nothing that would have shaken me in there because I was fully clear. Now I wasn't visualizing myself walking onto the podium or coming first. You must had a dream. You must have had. Yeah, dreams. but it's different to visualizing it. You know what I mean? Okay. Like you can ha- you can have the dream and aspire to it, and I, I want to do it and get the shivers. Yeah. But that's different to like the theory of sports psychology is you walk up to the pro- you visualize yourself walking up. You're walking up to dive in. This is how it's going to go. If something goes wrong, that can go out the window. Now, ideally, you mix it all together so you get the resilience and the visualization together. But nine times out of ten, if you know somewhere where you're going. And you want to be bulletproof the other way, which is the theory I had. Be bulletproof and that nothing will affect you. If you have a disadvantage here, you forget your water in the call room, your hat breaks, you still have the spare one. Everything is just set up that you can't be shaken. That was my theory of it. So I'm not, uh, I would never consider myself mentally strong. I can just get on with it. You know what I mean? The work's done, get, now act on it kind of thing. It's, you, you could see a trend kind of uh, you as an athlete evolving from Beijing to London Beijing you were there as a bit of a hobby because you kind of introduced the sport so quick and then next minute you're in Beijing performing at the Paralympic Games and then four years later you're like I'm going to win gold yeah it follows a natural pattern especially when it's you get me- a ta- that's amazing you get a taste of it when you like when you win silver you get a taste of it and then suddenly the evolution of that is fascinating yeah but uh, the beauty of it is it's the evolution of growing up as well that's yeah. what made it so different yeah. and so fun and uh, but you're growing, up, you're growing up a bit quick as well like. exactly that's it like you're older than you t- think like you know what I mean when you're surrounding yourself with that environment like you don't the average 18 year old doesn't operate in that environment you know what I mean and they're mm. not held accountable to the same things like you know what I mean you're away in a training camp and you need to be hitting these you're doing a heavy set and you have someone checking lactate from the blood in your ear and you're trying to manage your own times and you're figuring out and you have the coach shouting at you like that's it's an environment akin to i don't know like a uh, someone on wall street or something i shouting and roaring and uh, (laughs) you're trying to stay steady so it it does make you grow up a little bit quicker and i suppose it it helps you later on in life because you're more used to the things that i suppose is the problem of when you first go into work maybe yeah when 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 you're over there at the games and obviously the olympics are a couple of weeks before and you would have seen kind of the media coverage of the olympic games um, would it have ever bothered you that there's not it's not equal I suppose in terms of the coverage over here RTE I suppose for the London Games showed nearly every game possible they could and then for the Paralympic Games they had a half hour highlight programme I think it was Satanta Sports that yeah, Satanta Sports took over the they took the over coverage, yeah. the coverage and it was good in, in that at least we had something but does that affect you as an athlete at all like does it 
like as competing or do you just would you kind of reserve comment till after or does that any of that bother you about coverage it, it bothered bothered me and does still bother me to the extent where it's annoying i'd never ever let it bother me enough to extend it out to affect performance now um to give you an example before before um london there's a the, the local paper in gory is the gory guardian um and they covered the people going for gold or whatever, whoever was going, and I wasn't on it. So I went up after them and said, "What the fuck's going on? Like, what, what, what do you want me to think of this? Like, when you have everyone here in the locality, and without sounding like an arsehole, I'm pretty much <clears throat> going to medal. So why wouldn't you put me on this? You know what I mean? Like, if if you're a betting man, you'd say I'll medal at least. You know what I mean? When you're looking at the rankings and you're looking at the trend over Times the last couple of years." You would have said, right, this is an easy medal. This is easy coverage. Let's prep this so that when, if he does win, we can get him. You know what I mean? He'll answer the phone to us. Or if he doesn't win, we can cover the last story. So I went up and there was an argument. And anyway, that featured in the next. I got I got the full page the next day. I didn't have to share with anyone the following week. But it does bother you. But like... <clears throat> it's not just in the media like you have to you have to understand that like i i we were away in montreal as i said it was after london 2013 and the world championships it was world championships and i won now it was a soft soft enough meet i'll I'll admit that like uh, i was after my leaving service that it had been agreed that i wasn't competing right uh, after my leaving service training and anyway of course it went the other way eventually Uh, it was horrendous for me like because I, I got told I'm, you're actually you have to go the week before the leaving cert so it was a bloody disaster for me so who told you Jesus we won't, we won't name names here just to protect a disclaimer no but was it your family or was oh, it oh no it was the I was 18 now at this stage so okay. you, you don't get the buffer of your family anymore yeah. so I ended up going I just thought it might have been your family because leaving cert oh yeah no yeah so no, no it wasn't as soon your as you family. hit 18 you're on your own but anyway right. over in Montreal and I won don't know what day it was, don't know what day, can't remember. 2013, whenever the results came out, which is August, right? I'm there. Um, I won the 400 free, came first. Uh, world champion, first time I was a world champion. The Sports Council tweeted it the following day, congratulations, and shared it on their other things. I tweeted back, lads, this is old news, this happened yesterday. And they're like live, breaking. And next minute I get a phone call, Dara, take that down. I'm like, Why? There's like it's 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 unacceptable. They're funding you. You're supposed to be grateful. I'm like I'm not taking it down. They should be on top of this. This is an absolute joke. If this was anyone else in a, in an able-bodied sport, it would have been on time. And you're fighting against that. Like everyone's trying to protect the status quo and protect protect their own arse instead of doing. You know what I mean? Like if that was uh, first of all, it shouldn't happen. And if it did happen, it'd be like whoops, sorry. Instead of get that down quickly, like that kind of thing. So you go on about the media, but you're. The media is kind of the last stages of it all. You know what I mean? It doesn't go... You kind of need the internal promotion, the will to internally promote it before you can get to the media outside things. You know what I mean? Yeah. So that was... That that wouldn't happen in... It wouldn't happen. That's it, the point. No, it wouldn't. No. But look, look it, it, to, to rewind, it, to be fair, in London it was unreal. Like, yeah. it, there was people queuing up and media specifically. I'm sure I was on the front of nearly every paper in, in the country and radio stations, television, and Satanta, or the crowd called Athena Media, did a documentary, and then yeah, all that stuff. So all that great, but at the same time, it spins around once every... I suppose this is this is able-bodied sport as well. When the it's Olympics. certainly the Olympics, isn't it? Yeah, certainly the Olympics. 
you're good once every four years. You get the coverage once every four years. So yeah. that's just the way it works. But Channel Four have been sensational since the London Games, haven't they? They have. That, you have to give it to credit to them. But uh, the last leg is still going. Yeah, but yeah. they've developed it as well, which yeah. is the most impressive thing. It's no longer just the, the sport and yeah. nonsense. They actually do develop it, and maybe that's what's needed. Like yeah. you, you there's stuff on the general election over in Britain was brilliant. Yeah, it was brilliant. brilliant like. And they had Al Gore on recently. It was brilliant. Yeah, the Martin guests are really yeah. stepping up. Like, and yeah. it is funny. But that, like, it's entertaining. That, that, that's half the bloody battle. Like that's as a that's a spin off knock on effect from, from a, the Paralympic Games yeah, in London. Exactly. And exactly. they showed the World Championships there more, more most recently. I'm pretty sure they showed some wheelchair basketball tournament recently as well. Maybe See, what's changing a lot is um, the competitions are starting to make money. And that's that's a big deal. Like when you go, I can't remember what competition was. was what was after Montreal? Maybe we were in Berlin or somewhere. And it was the first co- swimming competition. I can't, It was European or World Championships. It was the first competition that made money. Now, for an organizing committee to make money, now we all know the Olympics make a huge loss. We know the Paralympics make a huge loss. But some of the smaller things can make a profit. Like if you think of, to give an extreme example, give Wimbledon as an example. Like obviously there's huge organization that goes in that huge costs and everything. It makes a profit, obviously. So once things start to make a profit, you see things change pretty rapidly. And it's starting to go in that way. So that's why you see your Channel 4 are ahead of the trend. Because now in 10 years time, when it gets bigger and bigger, you get more sold out crowds. All right, we're selling the rights to this for television. Oh, geez, there's Channel 4. I've been there for 15 years. They've done a great job. You know what I mean? It's very much covering the basis for the future, which is great to see. They're yeah. making a, a clever move. Yeah. Like, but it's going in the right direction. That's the, that's the main I thing. Don't, I don't remember any other station prior to the London Games due to the extended coverage that Channel 4 did. <clears throat> no. For 2012. Know. And th- they continue to do it as well. Um, they even had the red button service on Sky Digital. Mm. Yeah, that's right. You know, yeah. whatever sport you want to watch for the Paralympics, press the red button. That's mm. deadly. I was wanting a huge to be, step, huge step. Yeah. Um, so it wasn't long then after. Well, many, many, many meets or tournaments did you do after the Paralympic Games in London? Uh, we usually averaged. Let me think now. Usually averaged two year basic international. So you, we usually did Sheffield in England in March, and then maybe Berlin in June, and then you'd have a major championships in June, July, or August, depending how it placed, and then you had a couple of ones in Ireland where you have to show the face and like you're wasting your time because they're sure Paralympic swimming isn't short course but you'd be going like there was a competition up in bloody Bangor one day and I swam I had to, I had to do it to get my card in. so I entered the bloody 50 free swam drove up two and a half hours got in for 34 seconds got out and drove home because it was it literally worked there was no point me wow. getting it it couldn't qualify me for anything it had no targets on it, it was literally you need to show your face here so so anyway, yeah, you, had, you have two international meets and a major meet um, per year. So that's pretty much how it goes. So was there ma- how many though tournaments did you have between? I suppose you retired in twenty fifteen, shockingly retired. Shockingly, at, yeah, at such a young age. Well, we had um, what to be it? We had Montreal twenty thirteen, twenty fourteen. I missed. We'll go back to that story. Twenty fifteen was the European Championships. In, in oh, I was in Glasgow, yeah, and I was there, so I finished up shortly after that. I remember reading on the forty two, the Independent. I think your maybe your local website all the day the day that you retired, and thinking what the hell is after happening here? Only twenty one, and then I seen a quote from yourself saying your situation was Billy Walsh by ten. 
So we know Billy Walsh was the boxing coach and he had a huge kind of depart- acrimonious departure and is now with USA Women's Boxing. So um, I suppose I'll do the disclaimer for you that anything I say is purely my opinion yeah. and my experience. <laughs> so if anyone wants to come after anyone, you can come after me. I'll gladly <laughs> challenges. Anyway, to, 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 well, to summarize. Why do you feel you have to do a disclaimer? Is this part of the reason why you would have retired? It's pa- Look, I'll, g- I'll give you the brief synopsis of it as the easiest way to do it. When I finished my leave insert 2013, um, was in Montreal, got the leave insert results, uh, was going to UCD. I was told don't go to UCD or not to go to UCD. Now, I was due, I was pro- not promised. I was, I was getting an Ad Astra scholarship, which is the top. There's two sports scholarships in UCD. There's a sports scholarship, which is the Ad Astra scholarship. Now, back in the day when I started, it was top notch. They paid for pretty much everything, half your accommodation. Brilliant. Great guy. Not as great now, but anyway. Uh, so they were like, Darry, you're not to go to UCD. Now, let's just correlate, just put over here for a minute that all the funding is suddenly being pumped into the national sports campus. It's all going on over here. So, why is Darry not supposed to go to UCD? So on the right side of the city for me, I'm from Wexford, obviously. Uh, 50 meter pool, already established. Um, great college, obviously. So I was told not to go there. So what happened was, it was a correlation of a lot of different events. First of all, I got denied my scholarship. They said, you're not getting in, you're a Paralympic athlete. right? That was basically, we don't know what to do with a disabled athlete, right? So... Now, I went to absolute war. What? Yes, exactly. This is the problem. So, look, without badmouthing anyone, the, the, the coaching team in UCD felt like they... Now, for anyone listening, you don't coach anyone any differently. The, the fundamentals... Of, now, the time frames of rest... So, normally when you're swimming, say you do 10 100s. If you're an able-bodied athlete, you might do them off 110. I'd be doing them off 120 or 125. The fundamental part of it isn't different... The rest, like, obviously, it'll take you slightly longer to do it. So that pumps it out. Like, if you're doing 10-100s with 15-second rest, there's no difference. So there's no complexities, despite what anyone will tell you in coaching a disabled athlete, especially different in wheelchair basketball. And all that. There are different rules. There are different ways of going. If you're talking swimming, running, everything, it's all the same, right? So for them to say that was absolute junk. So I went to war, Minister for Equality, solicitors, had the head of communications in UCD ringing me, begging me to stop, we'll sort it, we'll sort it, sort it. So two days later, it was sorted, and the letter was conveniently backdated so I could show my friends that I actually got it and didn't knock it. Load of nonsense. Anyway, so UCD was already, before I got there, heavy enough going. So anyway, we got in, we got settled down, and that was 2013. So the trend, we got going, we were training there. Now, obviously, I'd been with John Keeley in Arclo. He was my coach for seven or eight years so there's always going to be that transition period naturally like anyone who doesn't say that is, is thick like you know well someone knows you for seven years i've been training with this man a minimum of 10 hours a week for the last decade nearly so obviously there's going to be a little bit of a period where you're kind of up in the air so i'll readily admit i wasn't performing very well now not to make an excuse just started college right moved away from home for the first time new coach so not that it's an excuse but it is slight justification of what's going on as good as i am and as much as i know the sport there's always going to be that little bit of shakiness right so anyway fast forward that's the reason why that maybe the times or whatever exactly i don't want to justify it because there's no excuse like at that level even you have no excuse but anyway so we continue on we fast forward and the 
I suppose the the narrative is still Derry shouldn't be there. So we ended up we went down. This is so that's the end of twenty thirteen. We're going into twenty fourteen. Had a tra- I was getting hassled and uh, just uh, there was hassle and Derry need to be reporting back more. It's, uh, it's obvious the coach doesn't know what he's doing, but uh, this is from the national side of things onto the club level. Doesn't know what he's doing. You need to come over here and do this, and you need to visit the Comusiar physio these two days a week. And I had I had a whole UCD as an institute to the sport, and they were top notch. I had top notch staff behind me, and suddenly I'm going over to the bloody NAC to the sports campus. Come over at this time, so I'm like I'm in bloody college, and then I have to ru- rush hour traffic to get back training. So this was all going on in the background. So uh, we had a competition, and I didn't do overly great. Now it wasn't a million miles off, and it was an early, early. So it was a national competition. The Paralympians as a general rule don't perform too well at national competitions because you're swimming against able-bodied people and you need someone to push it to a certain extent so that went badly not horrendously just badly now when i say horrendously i'm still at least a minute under the qualifying time for a major championships no matter how bad i am i am still top eight no matter how badly i was swimming you know what i mean so it's not emergency status now there's a time to sit down where you'd be like, okay, let's sit down, figure out what's going wrong. You're not at the top level. That's fair enough, right? So anyway, we ended, fast forward, I suppose, a month, and we're down at a training camp. And to, we were in, in Limerick, in UL, and we, it was a six-session training camp, six swimming sessions. And by and large, when you're doing six sessions, you, you do what's called test sets, so lactic tolerance. I can't even remember what they're called anymore. It's so long out of the end. But you do your, te- your test sets, right? And normally, if you had six sessions, you shouldn't be doing more than two test sets. So I think we did four. And everyone was, how do I put this diplomatically? I'd argue that I was the only one given my all in the test sets. And following on from the test sets, uh Obviously, you, you wear down. You shouldn't be doing working that hard for that extended period of time. So anyway, fast forward, there was I ended up getting out of the last two sessions. I was bollocks. There's no other way to describe. Absolutely, at a at a beyond a, I'm tired level. It's at a different level where you're trying and it's just not happening. Right at a I suppose molecular level. So fast forward on, maybe a week after that, I go for a routine blood test with with actually the National Irish Institute of Sport. So I'm in the Matter Hospital. I go home the following day. I'm in doing some media thing um just my own media thing nothing to do with swimming and i get a phone call darry you need to go to any and i was like what what the hell do i need to go to any so they reckoned i had late stage leukemia because my bloods were so low now you cannot correlate those two scenarios um properly there is no way to prove anything that the, the two things are related um but anyway, so anyway. Late stage leukemia? Yeah. There was a, I can't even remember what it was called. In your what, blood? In your blood. Whatever the blood, I can't remember what the blood was, but mine was at 0.02 or something. And it was supposed to be at, I can't remember, 2.7 or something. Like they'd never seen it that low. They didn't know what was going on. So I was in panic stations and obviously I'm fucking, what age am I, 19 or 20? And my supposedly my prime, you know what I mean? Yeah. And the panic station, obviously the pair, I, I'm, I'm running to Vincent's. The parents follow me up. There's a big panic. So the head of A&E and Vincent's is there. He's just like, look, we don't know what's going on. Let's see if it comes back up. If it doesn't, we're going to have to drill into your bone marrow and check it. So eventually it came back up over the course of a weekend. Now, 
I'm still shitting myself. Like, obviously, this is so. You can't correlate the two situations, but this compounds the effect that Dara is not at the top of his game. Something is going wrong. Now, I can justify that why something went wrong at that so acutely. So, anyway, go back training, ease into it, back into it. So, we're another month down the line, we're in training. We're another month down the line, we're three months before what would have been World Championships in Eindhoven in the Netherlands that summer. Next minute, Dara gets a, p- a pain in his lads. And I'm just thinking, I am absolutely screwed now. This is what happened beforehand. So anyway, go in. Thank God I gave myself a hernia. So it's only a hernia. But obviously, you can imagine the stress and the pressure. So anyway, go in. Dara, uh, I'm like, here, help to the national side of things. Here, help. Oh, there's nothing we can do. I was like, what do you mean there's nothing you can do? There's no surgeon you can get me into to get this done, to get this sorted. No. So, Google. Got a guy in the Beacon Hospital, paid him two grand cash, did the job the following week. Explained the situation, I'm training for something. No support whatsoever. And then, I got back in. I was so young, I healed really quickly. So I'm just like, right, I'm ready to go. Take seven weeks to get fit for me. as On average, seven weeks of swimmer to get fit. So, I went in. I said, I got the stitches out. Everything's good. Dara, ease back into training. I'm like, sorry, we had a big sit down. We had a sit down and I explained I wouldn't be able to go. That's grand, Dara, you're injured. At the same time, this was after saying, we've no support for you. There's nothing we can do. So go get it done. I got my stitches out. Your man, the surgeon, was a professor, if that matters to anyone. Uh, It mattered in the letters I sent anyway, professor, whoever, whoever. (laughs) Anyway, um, took the stitches out. Dara, go back. You're fine. You're healed enough train lightly go back in so we're still two months out now it was probably two and a half months now as i said to you me at my shittest was still finishing top 10 mm. so there's no scenario where a top 10 athlete doesn't go to a competition there's people less well placed going to this competition so we're there i'm finished i'm going back training sit down have a conversation i won't mention with who with medical staff and uh people high up in performance in sports council slash Paralympics Ireland, Dar, you're not going. I said, you give not me going s- where? to this world championships. Okay. Your man had cleared me. The surgeon cleared me. You're not going. And this is the, do- the there was a doctor there. You're not going. I said, why am I not going? I can medal. If I win bronze, I can easily win bronze. No, why would you want to go? I'm like, what do you mean? Why would I want to go? I said, just rest through. You need to c- c- conserve your. I'm like, no, I want to go. So there was big hullabaloo. The synopsis was I got cleared by my GP. The surgeon did the surgery and my physio at home. Uh, I wasn't cleared for competition by their medical staff. He didn't even examine me. So, look, there's a trend. There's a trend here, and I don't mean to. I don't want to sound like a moany git because at the end of the day, get on with things. But there was a trend there. So that eventually, I didn't go. Now there was huge arguments, and there was enough. Basically, they put, you had to prove that you were fit to compete, right? To go, and I obviously had this meeting with them they i was on my own in the meeting stupidly because i'm an idiot and don't bring a witness with me because i take people at face value anyway so it's part of learning isn't it part of learning exactly so i'm on my own and they i won't use the word bullying but they coerced me dar you need to just stop and i'm just like all right i suppose i better take time off and then i got home and i'm just like no feck this i'm going i can win a medal here easily so there's a huge hullabaloo in argument so it was two days i met them the day after the surgeon cleared me 
Two days later, I was given an offer to prove that I was fit enough to compete. And I had to swim five seconds above my personal best. Right? Now, the surgeon clears you to go back to training lightly. Right? And you get this offer. So I, I'm like, right. Mere now, Mr. Solicitor, tell me what to say. So the solicitor says, send him back that you want proof that every other athlete is required to do this test at this time tomorrow. Because no, no one would have hit five seconds within their PB that far out. Like They're in the middle of ultra-hard training. You haven't started your taper yet, which is when you ease off after hard training to go into competition. So no one would have hit it. But anyway, look, to cut a long story short, that didn't happen. I didn't win. I had to back down, and that was the end of it. So that's fine. But anyway, we go on following you, and the trend continues. And for to give you an insight... That must have sour things if you didn't go to that tournament, when you thought you were fit enough. When you got clearance. See, this is the, the problem was I didn't think I was fit enough. The problem was I was cleared fully. You know what I mean? And there was... There was no logic to it. There was this, Dara, why would you want to go? Why would you want to do this? Blah, blah, blah. Like, I was like, no, come on, let me compete. End of, that's it. This is what I do. Like, you know? Yeah. So, if we fast forward to the following year, um, it was European Championships in Glasgow. Now, there was a load of crap going on in the background. Still, Dara, come over and do this. Dara, come over and do that. And the way Paralympics Ireland works is they there's the qualifying criteria for the competition itself and then there's the qualifying criteria they set for the team right now that's fair enough because the qualifying criteria for some competitions is junk like and you'd end up bringing a team of 20 and none of them be worth a crap right but this was for european championships right so they had a ratio and the ratio was within 15 percent of bronze or five ten percent i can't remember what the blue percentage was right and for the particular event that you're qualifying in, obviously. And whatever way it happened, I'm trying to remember. It's like, these are like things I've pushed to the side. I'm like, I'm not <laughs> thinking about this anymore. But anyway, so whatever way it happened, my qualifying time was the current time that was ranked second in the world rankings to go to the competition. It was also double, sorry, half the percentage leeway from bronze that everyone else got. Do you get me? Yeah. yeah. So I was like, what the hell is going on? A suspicious mind would think there's a little vendetta to get rid of Dara here. But anyway, so huge legal battle ensues behind the scenes. I don't care about talking about it. It's irrelevant. Anyway, I went to go and I went, I swam adequately, came third. As I said to you, at my worst day, I'd still come top eight. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. So there was a lot of things going on. Then it came to it and it came to a head. I sat down and I met the most senior person in one of the organizations. And it was all apologies and all this and all that. And anyway, then I met the swimming specific team. Sorry, the, the pers- other person said, you're right. Sorry, I understand all this, blah, 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 blah. So I'm thinking, great, this is finally sorted. Everything's going to be fine. And... Remind me to go into the Billy Watch thing after this because it's an important <laughs> distinction to make for your listeners to understand the full store, the full background to that. But anyway, so I met the, the the Top Gun and then I met the swimming team specifically on my own again because I'm an Egypt and I took what your man had said to me, you're grand, this is grand, it's all going to be sorted. Tell us about what, ha- what happened. I said, you know what happened. There's been legal letters flying back. I want to discuss it. I said, I'm not discussing it. 
There's nothing to discuss. It's in the past. We're starting fresh slate onto Rio. No, discuss it. I said, I'm not discussing this with you. If you want to discuss it, you can meet with me and my solicitor. I'm not discussing it on my own. I want to look to the future. That's it. Not, uh, we're not discussing it. Or I want to know what's going on. I want to know what's going on. I was like, great. Well, I'm not talking about it. Well, then this meeting is cancelled. And I was like, great. Fucking cancel the meeting. So, And I, I went out and obviously I was devastated like because i thought this was getting sorted and this effect effectively the synopsis of the whole thing was dara you'll come train where we tell you to train and i said i can't leave college this was the argument on the table i can't leave college um i want my degree don't care we're taking away all your fun and we won't send you to competitions and there's this magical thing at the end of every document you sign that says at our discretion and at our discretion was missing from the document that let me win and go to the competition the follow the previous year and now it was suddenly on everything yeah so i couldn't have won so it got to that say i was in my final year of college i'd won fuck you go you know what i mean excuse the language uh but that's how it went so onwards and upwards but look that that's how these things go there's a lot of politics and there's a lot of go- comings and goings and people trying to justify jobs and all this stuff but to get back to the crux of it, look, I don't want to appear negative to anyone. I, it was extremely, extremely difficult at the time. And there was a period for about a month or two where I just had to go home away from college. I couldn't hack it. Yeah. And obviously there's the challenges of quitting and all, which we can talk about later. But to go back to the issue at, at hand, which is the issue that hit me, which I think is the fairest thing to say about the Billy Walsh thing. In my eyes, the Croots were right. In the Billy Walsh situation, the, he quoted me there. I'm actually wrong on that quote. There's a, a trend in Irish sport now that everything is high performance, this high performance, that boom, boom, boom. This is great. Come over here, train here. We've got the best. If you think of every athlete you know that's truly great, no one trained in the top facilities straight away. Yeah. Absolutely no one. You build your character and it's all character. It, it there's a guy, David Epstein, he wrote a book, The Talent, uh, The Sports Gene. And to summarize it fundamentally, if you're going to be great sports at a molecular level, so it's going to win, that's naturally going to progress. But if you go take someone who's 12, and I've seen it happen in swimming, they're taken up into the National High Performance Center, inverted commerce there for everyone who's listening, um, and you suddenly surround them with all this support, and a lot of it's fluff, but there's also support there. But it's too much too soon. You need to let people naturally develop. And you need to let them... I trained in a 25-meter pool. I lost two seconds per tumble turn in a 25-meter pool. And I was racing in a 50-meter pool. So I was deliberately giving myself disadvantages in training. So when I came to race, that's the way it should be done. That's the way it has to be done. Take Katie Taylor training, training away in Bray. It didn't have toilets up until yeah. the year after until London. Until she won, yeah. Yeah. What does that tell you? The credibility in the performance of athletes is actually built before you get into the... Now, all for polishing when you get to the stage where you need the supports, you need the tells, testing, you need the physio there, but there's a hell of a lot of work to be done before you get there. And but I, I know Billy, Billy's a friend of mine, but I think he is very much of the high-performance ethos. Everything needs to be in a high-performance center. It needs to be total oversight on an athlete and I just don't agree with that it's, it'd be the same as me I was trained away in our club for seven years I got visited twice maybe in the whole time down there and then suddenly as soon as I come up to Dublin you're forced over here but you're dealing with someone seven days a week your own coach 
There's no way in hell someone who sees you once a month or once every two months can have the same insight into you. There's no way you can have the same access. I'm, I'm feeling crap today. Can we take it a bit easier? Like, And that's what's trying to be forced upon athletes at the moment. And there needs to be character and there needs to be base built below the thing. And the, the quote that was said to me, Dara, before you went to London, you were absolutely phenomenal. Everyone loved working with you. Your results were off the charts. I said, yeah, because you let me get on with things and do it. There was none of this nonsense going on in the background. I just, my dad, me and my dad used to call it porridge. You have to do the porridge work, the crap where you're just going up and down for 6K, two hours in the morning, two hours in the Fire evening. Fry. Oh, it's, it's, <laughs> exactly. But like, it, it just, that's the problem at the moment. You need to just reel it back and get back to grassroots things not be so structured is that what you say or is that what you think because i do hear in the whole um i hear in the grassroots of football in this country it's getting a bit too structurized and let the kids express themselves as opposed to you know the way that they're, they're using the kind of dutch ethos that's a bit hippie for me now the, yeah the letting the kids the express themselves and that all that nonsense. but you don't need to put it's like Say Phelps, right? Mm. The Olympic Train Center is in Colorado Springs in America. Phelps doesn't train in that. Now, if you were thinking logically and the logic of the sports council and all that, Phelps should be in there training every single day, using every single support there, every sports science measure. Why is that, that he is not there? And tell me what the Olympic Training Center in America has produced on its own. And what you will find is that it hasn't produced near as much as what the solo teams feeding yeah. in. Because there's, there's a dynamic, and it's the same with any form of team. You have teams that come together and they win. And it's the dynamic between the, the teams. And in an individual sport, that dynamic is between the coach and the mm. swimmer or the runner or whatever. Yeah. You can't force that. You can't force that into a building and expect high performance. It comes naturally. And that's half the, the issues. That are coming at the moment. Do, do you think during the course of all that information you, you told us over the period of time, do you think the people you were dealing with thought you were being difficult? Oh, without a doubt. Without a doubt that they would have perceived this little so-and-so, so-and-so as being difficult. And like to be, there, was, there was other factors that, look, I don't want to say that I'm very conscious of sounding like a pompous git or sounding like <laughs> like I, I know it all or it's like you were so I was right I don't know what it's like I am <laughs> hell. North Korea maybe or something <laughs> but anyway there's other things at play I was getting a few sponsorship steals on my own merit that weren't coming through the yeah. perceived channels so it was very much are you not allowed, are you not allowed to do that? it's slightly frowned upon because there's people who's job it is to is to source these sponsorship deals and when you suddenly have the power to do it on your own and the likes of nationwide rang me up dara will you come on instead of going through someone through yeah. the channel and then i get an angry email how did that happen who contacted you like as if i'm supposed to be reporting the, the other direction yeah. look it's it, sport in ireland is just extremely extremely complex and because it's such a small country it makes it even more difficult and it, it is undeniably very corrupt. You only have to look at the news now. Like this Olympic Council nonsense where we're stuck with our ticket contractors till 2020, oh. whatever. Like nowhere in the world. Like that's like some lad coming in and doing the plumbing and he does the job wrong. Oh, sorry, I committed to servicing it for the. Like, no, get rid of him. Like, yeah, there, yeah. there's no excuse. Yeah. And that's just rampant throughout the thing. And like, 
I try, I try to hang people out to dry. I tried my absolute best. And to give you the most perfect example, this is how far it goes down. If you think of um, an Irish journalist who would be known to take on the toughest cases and I suppose famously went after a, a big doping scandal once upon a time in the 90s. And we're I, trying to get him on this podcast. <laughs> I approached him and I told him the whole story. This is absolutely great. Holy God, I'm going after this. It's going to blow the gasket. Two weeks later, got a text. Sorry, we're not proceeding with the, I'm not proceeding with this. It's not in anyone's best interest. So you know what I mean? You're, you're fighting an uphill battle between corruption and collusion at every level. Wow. Is that why, in my opinion, when you retired... Look at him, he's doing the in my opinions like I yeah. did. Yeah, yeah. no, in my opinion, I could be wrong, but when you retired, other than the announcement on the day, wasn't, let's say, it wasn't on off the ball. There was no fanfare there was to no go fanfare. with it. Like you were an Olympic gold medal, Paralympic gold medalist. Um, world champion. World champion at such a young age. So... It wasn't even released on the organization's website. That says it all. Yeah, so is there... Is it because of legal fears or was it because... Is it, it goes back to the equality thing again. Like if you were... like let's like Michelle Smith a different situation but Michelle Smith doping mm. and was on the news for ages and months and Ireland's stuff like Ireland's greatest Olympian <laughs> yeah. Yeah. but no do you get the point the context of the, the point I'm making like what was there not much of uh, you're, you're, a song and dance about your retirement because I'm a Paralympian because you're a Paralympian no. or because of the legal complications and are we going to get sued <laughs> one you're not going to get sued <laughs> They I've covered my arse very, very well. They can sue me. All I have is empty spice bags. <laughs> We've no money. Don't come after us. Come after all a few lunch boxes in the corner as well. <laughs> <laughs> but no, no, it was very much a, if you don't rock the boat. And that's how yeah. it works. When you're saying all this and, and kind of you're putting the, the context into it of, you know, um, Irish sport is a very complex thing behind the scenes. Is that something that you think is... Like, is it systemic? Is there a chance that, you know, one or two people kind of move on or step down over time and it could cure it? Or is it something that at this point, it's 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 to the core? Like It's completely to the core. There's no... If you look at who goes into positions in the thing, it's very much... Sometimes it's an athlete who's retired. You see that quite a bit. But you see it as an athlete who has no real other... I'm trying to, but I don't mean this in the bad way of the athlete, but it's the athlete who maybe didn't get the education, doesn't have any other exit options, and they're kind of brought under the sports council's wing of, look, we'll look after you, we'll support okay. you, and do this. So automatically, you have an ally in yeah. the lower ground areas, you know what I mean? And then as they develop on and they look, there's, at, there's people in the sports council that are ex athletes, and they started off with the greatest things in mind, and then suddenly when you Figure out what the monster... I'm sure there's great people in there. Let's let's yeah. start with that. But when you finally discover the monster of what's under the surface and the realities of it... And, and is that what it is? That, that like... And I, like I'll compare it to politics in a way. That people go into the doll with the best intentions of the world and then they get in there and they realise, no matter what I do here, I'm just going to be part of the beast. 
to a certain extent. And then the other extent is there are people that legitimately, like everything that I went through, the the underlying tone was I was acting the mick. Right. I was I I went back to my own my home. I did a train session back home in Arklow with John Keeling. He said I heard you were training one day a week. I was like, who told you that? Oh, one of the other swim coaches from a completely unrelated club. So obviously you're getting all this information. Yeah, spinning around the background. No one knows what's true. It's getting exaggerated here. Now I can guarantee you I wasn't training one day a week. You, mm. you can look at the mileage on my bloody car if you want to check. Yeah. But there's all this information going around, and there's all this deliberate kind of points made you you can see it with any irish athlete who rocks the boat a little bit it's yeah it's it's an irish thing as well like if you look at mcgregor there's so many begrudgers about mcgregor yeah and once you start to show yourself in your true colors if you don't fit the conformity of the mold of thank you sports council thank you irish institute of sport you made me what i am no absolutely nothing to do with it i didn't say that line he challenged the sports council because now they gave me a ton of funding over the years they gave me a great amount of funding it was fantastic and i couldn't have done what i did without them but i'm not sitting down and begging anyone when they can't even get uh, the date of your race when you became world champion right yeah. there a day late like so you're very much conform trying to conform well and it's not it's not an equality aspect whatsoever it's a let's keep it hush hush kind of thing keep it in, in suppress it as much as possible What's the what? What could have avoided all this from you retiring? What would the, the ideal scenario have been for Darren McDonald during that time to let you do what you want in terms of training? Like, because do you think they thought, oh, Darren's in college now, he's running amok? That was probably like uh, you have to bear in mind he's partying, he's up all night. You have to bear like in mind that. that they should know you've been working with the same people for minimum of five years. I, I'll go out and have five or six pints of Guinness every two weeks. Maybe and go. That's gone mental. I, I'm not a drinker. I don't do the nightclub stuff. I don't no. do that. It, people know you. You know someone after a while. You used to know each other's. Yeah. Well, who's up for going out? For, unfortunately, oh, unfortunately, geez, I don't. I don't, <laughs> don't want to know what each of you have seen. But you know what I mean. You know yeah. someone. So uh, okay, Dara's out in the lash. She's messing about in college. If you hadn't known me, you'd know that's not true. And look, the, in an ideal scenario, was that ever put to you? Oh yeah, that's what it was. Dario, you're not training properly. You're obviously not. I'm sending in sets every week, and I feel like this is very negative. We'll, we'll switch the, <laughs> switch the mood now in a minute. No, it's quite, but, it's, it's not that it's negative though. It's it's constructive. It's criticism constructive, of, and yeah. it's like people need to be able to take constructive criticism. That's it. That's in it. all walks of life, this yeah. is this is a scenario that if we were a podcast. Back when you retired, we probably would have had John. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Because it was one of those scenarios where, what There's the something funny going there's on in the back There's something funny going on. He's only yeah. 21. Mm. But to go back to this, I don't know what the ideal scenario is. See, there's so many variables like that even I, I couldn't have predicted it. Like, what you don't yeah. understand what moving away from home is until you do it. There's no way you can predict these things. And in all honesty, when you look, but the, the root, not the root of the problem, one of the key problems is, if I'm going to a place, go back to the scholarship, and the coach effectively blocks you going there because he yeah. doesn't want to handle it. Is he really going to put the effort in? Is he really going to want? Now, to be honest with you, if the cop on had been, had been there. Where was the alternative if he had blocked you? There's no alternative. I had to go to war over it. Like, there was no, there was no other. It's madness. Like. I would have I joined the club anyway. Like, there's no scenario. Like, maybe I should have gone back and forth to Blanche. Who knows? But in an ideal world, 
maybe I shouldn't have been there. Maybe maybe they're right in that sense that I shouldn't have been there. It was the wrong place for me. Maybe the, everyone who criticised me was right in that sense. Maybe I should have been back with the likes of John Keeley back in our club. But obviously it, it doesn't work out that way. And the key ideal scenario, there's a period of time where we were trying to get a round room discussion done. And the staff in UCD worked nine to five and obviously the crowd at the other end work nine to five and then like some of the staff in UCD had coaching obligations in the evening and UCD put it no we can only meet nine to five and the other crowd said oh we're not meeting nine to five it has to be before work in the morning or after work and I can't go to someone and you say no meet them you have to meet them for me like I can't do that. I I don't have that that right, and that was my point. But that just shows how there's a lack of cooperation. Like I I chatted it out to the extent I could. I I tried to be diplomatic. I tried to discuss things. There was solid attempts at making, at repairing it all, but it just well, it wasn't going to happen in the end. Like, so how how hard was it to actually say right I'm retiring? Oh, it's horrendously different. Like the, to be honest, I, I was in to fast forward to the the current stage of things I, I i finished college um was it says yeah in 2016 september was finished september 2016 and i went into kpmg to work and there was a number of things that, that happened now for anyone who did, did commerce in ucd if you go into the big four account it's kind of seen as the be- one of the best positions you can be in so i'm in a great bloody position everything i've been focusing on in all my swimming career there was an exit option here there was progression as i went on and I kind of hit to the stage where it was just like, mm, I don't like this. And I'm really, really worn out. And it kind of went from you're, you're in a highly intense and volatile environment in the swimming outside of that already volatile and intense competition part. You're dealing with all that other crap. You're, Tasha had cancer twice. Uh, you're going to fight and battle. Then you retire in November, your final year of college. You're on crappy grades because you've been swimming so you have to knuckle down and do that then you hit the summer and you're taking a just a breather and you're trying to get organized and you're moving up to college and blah 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 or you're you're finished college and you're trying to get your new house and all that crap and then you're in work straight away in a really really intense environment so it was difficult and like i suppose that in a sense i'm still recovering because like you need to decompress almost after all yeah. the stuff so that it's incredibly hard to retire and I think that so many athletes make that mistake they stay on for too long of the fear of it and I can understand the fear that it's it's a rightful fear to be fair to to and the the supports there's some supports are there but at the end of the day you have to take it into your own hands and it's everyone's individual journey as well but it's, it's very complex it's, it's very difficult to be honest with you like and especially the way it ended like it's mm. makes it even more difficult and I suppose I I came across in a way that I'm not happy about you know what I mean through it all it came it came across very like I'm if you looked at the comments and what happened Dara's very he's obviously not doing what he's told and he's throwing the toys out of the pram and all that and you can understand how that perception happens but it does play with your head then afterwards yeah as you can understand and then when you're going from being the top of the top the crown of the crown and you're back down in an entry-level job then and there's no there's nowhere in the middle to kind of cover up the patch the bridge together has it completely kind of skewed your your, your opinion or, or skewed your thought on like even well actually sk- skip that like i mean 
do you do you still get in a pool? Do you or has it just gone? Ah, oh, fuck this, I'm done. Like I didn't get in the pool for probably a full year, and then I got in, and I swam a little bit, and I did, I did a fifty three, and my time was still in the top twelve. So I said so I cannot year, get in a pool until yeah. I am too old to get back in a pool properly because that competitive edge will make you and it sure wants you it sure it's your passion for so long and you're yeah. now it'll be a huge effort to, like I've, I've been out now nearly two years it'll be a huge effort to get me fit again and obviously like I'm t- they just announced but it'd be a huge effort to get fit but then you see t- you, you think oh Jesus I got back in after a year and it was this good and then you're thinking oh Jesus the first major championships European championships are in Dublin next year wouldn't it be great and then you're just like I can't like I literally can't go back yeah. You need to stop. This Why is can't mad. you go back? It just wouldn't happen. Is it too far down the road? Uh, it, 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 too many bridges have been burnt. You know what I mean? You can rebuild bridges. Can, oh, Jesus, no, you cannot. Holy God. Roy King got back to Ireland. They, they built a great wall in China. If they can build that shit. Great China. stairs. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, look, no, the bridges are burnt. Look, I'm happy. I'm ready to happy yeah. enough to move on. But something like the European Champions being in Dublin, is that not a heartbreaker? Uh, it? it pulls at the back here back of your mind and on the, the heartstrings but you, you have to protect yourself after struggling with the mental part of it you have to protect yourself like, have you been yeah. asked to go back no Jesus Christ no wouldn't, <laughs> wouldn't even wouldn't even cross the minds <laughs> really oh not a hope so there's, even no, if there there's was no a, Christmas cards being exchanged no Christmas cards being yeah. <laughs> even if there was a, like a, a change of personnel there personnel. has been change of personnel but you no it's, it's gone look there's, it's gone too far down the road like and I'm yeah. not I'm not prepared to commit another year of my life on the off chance that someone clicks their fingers. It's at our discretion, you know what I mean? It's time for me to get... Uh, I'm working on my own business on the side, but it's time to get another job to go with that and move on properly, you know what I mean? And You're happy with the way you conducted yourself over that dreaded time? No, but like you, you can't... If anyone goes back through a period of high pressure, yeah, you can't be happy with the way you conducted yourself every at the time. And... I I can't say I lost the head. I, I didn't lose the head once. There was no roaring match, and there was situations where I was being roared at, and there was phone calls at being. I I my phone was ringing at nine o'clock at night and all that type of classic nonsense. But uh, it's a difficult situation. You want your time to end in glory as well. Like no one wants to end on a bad note, and it ended on a bad note, and that's just the way. Look, to, to take the positives of it. I that's what I mean. It ended on a bad note, so like. Can we not build bridges, go back, and then you just romp home at European Championships? That's the, that's the hippie in you wanting It's the hippie and the Disney in me. Wanting peace. Yeah. The Disney story. The Disney <laughs> ending. Yeah, the redemption story. But. <laughs> it just feels like it's happened a few times in all different sports in Ireland where failings like this have occurred. Particularly, I suppose, it's happened a lot in the FEI with the Ireland players and it's happened with Roy Keane. And, I mean, it's just... Is it just you're running out of examples already, aren't no, you? No, I'm not. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of going. Is it just Ireland? <laughs> no, no, no. Sure, no, it goes on everywhere. You, you, you know, it does. But it, it is. It's just. It's when you're in a smaller community like Ireland, you hear the stories yeah, more. That, yeah. That's it. But look, it, to summarize the, the all of it, all the crap aside, I swam my way through college. Didn't have to pay a penny. You know what I mean? Like that's a huge deal. Yeah. Um, it did. It got me my first job. It gives me the edge on the CV even still. Yeah, all the learning experience. World the champion, world Paralympic ch- champion. Yeah, you yeah. still have the medals. Like, yeah, that's no, no one's ever taken that away. And like it, it ended badly, and it went 
bad, but I learned a lot as well. Like even when I was gonna say, in in a way, like because in in one way it's it's kind of bad that all that happened to you when you were so young because you were so young and maybe kind of being used to it or compartmentalizing it was a little bit tougher. But at the same time, the life experience that's given you, uh, as well as kind of the platform it's given you, is, is completely advantageous going into your the latter part of your life. Well, that that's the point. Like this is the, this is. You grew the, up quick, I tell you that. Uh, yeah. the, the missing link in all this was that, in in theory, when you see athletes ride off into the sunset on a successful note, yeah, they keep the audience and they keep to a certain extent the exposure and the strength of exposure. Because I ended badly, and I needed the mental break from it as well. That's kind of gone backwards. Then, like this is the first time yeah. I've spoken to, to to anyone since probably October to, since. I retired. This is the first oh, wow. interview I've had, so that says it all. You know what I mean? Like I, I needed a break, and it, the exposure did take a hit. So, and us two fucking Egypts are here dragging it all up for you now. So. <laughs> We're dragging up the past. The best Egypts. <laughs> <laughs> do you think if anyone, do you think anyone listening to this will be annoyed? Well, the, I did. Anyone listening to this will go. Ah, there's two sides to every story, and I'm not letting on anything, everything. Yeah. And I'll be fully honest with you. I I have nothing to bloody hide. I was swimming crap while I was up in UCD. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely crap. Now, if, it, if it makes you feel any better, I swam crap when I was in UCD as well. <laughs> we, we won't call it a trend, even though it is a bloody trend. <laughs> won't get into that. That's a different story altogether. But you know what, you know what I mean? No, there was no swimming pool when I was there. It was just a lake. So, you know. <laughs> so you I sound bad, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. Sorry, what... Sorry, I just ruined the moment. You did, you ruined. I was, yeah. I was Sorry, saying, I forgive you. It was a good point. Will, will, um, will people be upset at all? Listen to this at all? I, I don't. I honestly think that the people, Irish people, are conditioned to find the negatives kind of in, in everything. And I, I know well that people will be like, ah, I'm not telling it. Everything. That's what I was saying. Yeah, I'm yeah. not telling it, but I am. T- I, I've nothing to bloody hide. There's crap going on. I tried to defend myself. I was, still, I was swimming shite, and it, it, that even. Um, made me swim worse because of all the crap that's going on yeah, as yeah. well. So look, I I I wear my heart, my sleeve. You can tell from me, I I am straight up always. And I, if there's anyone listening and gets upset, if you want to get upset, you're right to get upset. But I can tell you that every single element of everything I've said is 110 percent true. If, if it yeah. got somehow to the powers that be, do you think it's been to the powers that be? It's been above the powers that be to the powers that be a, a point the powers that be, <laughs> okay. and it did nothing. So. So do, you don't think there would be an olive branch or some sort of reconciliation? I, f- I, f- I feel I want to do that. <laughs> You're just dying to, to mass Jerry Adams Good Friday situation. <laughs> you really just, this is a fair comparison to that, is it? I'm not sure on that one. <laughs> Jerry, the good, just, this is the good Friday. I'm brokering the deal between Dara and the powers that be. Now, do you oh. think, you don't think that anyone, if it landed on someone's desk, Jesus, did you hear Darren McDonald on that podcast that last week? What do you think of it? Do you think there'd be a there could be an olive branch or a Dara, you know? Twenty twenty, two and a Let's half forget years. about the past. Let's forget about the past. Could you qualify for Tokyo? I wouldn't go Tokyo. I go I'd next year and finish it. I'm, I'm at that stage. I'm twenty three now. It's time. Well, I I consider it time to move on. People say yeah. I'm mad, but like I want to move on to a certain extent. If I was doing it, I'd only ever ever do it to next year anyway but look yeah. are you closing the door I'm like Tommy Garman with Roy Keane <laughs> and, and Saipan here are, are you, you closing I, the door I used 
I did an internship when I got I did my hernia. I had a sponsor called Jim Hegarty in Hegarty Financial Management, and he he said the most important thing: I'll always talk with anyone, no matter what. The, he'll always sit down and have the conversation. If someone wants to have the conversation, go for it. You yeah. Know yeah, I mean? yeah, yeah. But that, that that that's the way I look at it. Like you have to you have to take the positives and you have to try make positive change. And I like to think I tried that as much as I can. I tried to take yeah. on corruption as much as a, yeah. an Egypt like myself can take on corruption, and it didn't work. Maybe maybe there was a few slaps on the wrists or something. Yeah, hopefully, yeah. but yeah. it it didn't work <clears throat> extensively. And you can't you can't do any more than your best. And you can't the the whole way through everything. And I'll continue this the whole way through me my life. Once you tell the truth, you can't be caught out, and that was that's my whole theory. Yeah. I'll always tell the truth, and whatever comes may come, but you will never catch me out on telling the truth. Yeah, you well, mentioned uh, Conor McGregor there. Um, was that is, would he be an athlete that you'd look up to, or how do you like? We were talking about would you follow Fifty-fifty. Yeah, look, I, I look. Anyone who wants it and goes out and gets it, you have to have a certain amount of admiration for. It. Like, there's yeah. a lot to be said. Like, you're putting your you're putting your whole heart and soul on the line, especially like it says it all that he can go up. This is the, the for anyone Irish who's afraid of going out and getting something. He said he was going to win and he lost. And there's not one person in the bloody country who says, ah, I told you so and you he's going to lose. What's how he conducted himself after the loss? Yeah. You see, that's and that, that's where I know we've talked about this at length that whole thing of kind of McGregor the character in the build-up versus McGregor the man when you kind of see the behind the scenes and yeah. you see him afterwards or whatever. It was the same with the Diaz fight when he got beat by Diaz that time. There's a level of professionalism that you just yeah. don't... Sportsmanship uh, yeah. that you don't yeah. see. But that's because he's an expert. Like yeah, That's why he's the, made the money he's made and done the deals he's done. Exactly, he can, yeah. It's the same with Muhammad Ali back in the day. Like It was all persona yeah. and then business behind closed doors. That's it. I wouldn't mind the money. I wouldn't mind the bloody one. No, no, I'd, I'd happily get the head bet off me for ten. <laughs> I was going to say, like that's, I mean, thirty million guaranteed. Never mind whatever else he's made. I on don't hit the face. There's not. You can't <laughs> do much worse. I can't tolerate it any worse off now. But well, we, you were mentioning uh, there that um, you were doing the swimming while you were training while educating yourself. So what were you educating yourself at? I did commerce in UCD, so uh, specialising in accountancy and. Finance, oh Jesus! So. This lad's got brown envelopes everywhere. <laughs> probably do with an advisor. He's disabled lads. I'm always suspicious. I'm telling you, he's taking bungs off all the basketball yeah. teams. I'm taking what? Bungs. Oh, what you said there? What cool. did you wish he said? <laughs> 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 oh, you're dope, Danny. I'm just look, man. Oh well, yeah, look. I'm just saying. I want to. End What's the future? Sort of is the future in accountancy then? Ah, we'll see. I'm working on my own. Business and a few little projects on the side. So. Do you want to give any of them a plug while you're here? Uh, yeah, well, I suppose with Podium Performance is a strategy consultant firm I've done. I've done a lot of work um, in general with a, a couple of charities in Ireland and a good couple of businesses creating strategy and long term strategy and reviewing that kind of thing. So uh, if, if anyone wants to reach the podium.com, that's uh, is that as, a, as an effect of your experience? Well, it's, look, you, you naturally set goals when you're an athlete, and you put the, it, it lends itself well to project management and yeah. strategy. You're, yeah. you're setting the goal, and you're putting the things in place to kind of do it. So, yeah. it, it it works well, and I, I enjoy it a lot, and I'm, I'm passionate about it. I suppose so. Deadly. That always helps a little bit, you know yourself. But look, positive future, rocky couple of years. But look, you have to take the highs with the lows, and there were amazing, amazing highs. So. You can't argue with that. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, high is as far as London, the London Games. Jesus, well. Yeah. Um, look, man, I, I've really, really enjoyed hearing you tell, tell your story. And um, 
in terms of it, I know you were saying that kind of like people might say this too, so it's every story and blah blah blah. But I mean, for what it's worth, and I'd never met you before you, you walked in earlier on, and I was sat in a room with some bullshit. We've had some serious bullshitters on this podcast, and I've. I've, I've to say that. <laughs> no, we haven't. No, yeah, no. And I've looked, look, lads, I sat in a room with Bertie Hearn in 2010, and I had 15 minutes of bullshit fed to me, and it was only when I got outside the room I went. Wait a second. <laughs> like, genuinely, like, so I... He's got me. Know, but he didn't you know, have but, a bank account. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> but at no point during that was I kind of looking at it and saying this disingenuous or anything like that, man. And, uh, yeah, look, uh, I don't know, as you said, like, it, it, maybe it is too far down the road and all that, but it's it's one of them things that it's kind of, I don't know, as, as I said at the start, being a, a, an expert sofa pundit, when you see kind of a, a top athlete of any description step away so young with no row back, it, yeah, I don't know. I I would have liked would have liked there to have been a happy ending here that was involving sport, another medal maybe. But yeah, you know, I don't know. It's just <laughs> we honestly don't know at this yeah. stage. Like, yeah. you know. we're really trying to build this bridge, me and you. Are. Yeah. <laughs> we're, we're, we're trying to, trying to build this bridge. Um, but yeah, now look. down the Berlin Wall or something. No, it is. Just, it is these kind of stories are disappointing. Remember when Soy Pan happened? I was like, oh, lads. You've referenced Soy Pan about 15 million times today. I know, because it still gets to me. You can see the tear in his eye. Yeah, yeah. Me contact lens. <laughs> That's what it is. It's stuck. Uh, yeah, if um, if people aren't already following you on social media, besides going to podium.com. Are you active on social media there? I, I'm on, on and off. I need to get back. I'm going to get back into it now. I'm just. Mm. You know, you know yourself, you're recuperating for a while, so anyway, I'm on Twitter and LinkedIn and everything, so it's all, uh, Twitter is Dara underscore MacD, and the website's reachthepodium.com, and the email is dara.macdonald, or use the contact form on the website or whatever to get in touch, and as yeah. I said, I'm happy to talk to anyone and help anyone and guide anyone in any way I can, and anything that I've been through, or if I'm any use, which maybe I'm not, but we'll give it a go anyway. Love it. Are you on Facebook at all? Oh yeah, Facebook. Yeah, keep that private. Yeah, though, okay. as you can, you know yourself. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. that's why say. you still haven't Too accepted creeps me. like yourself. Was, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's why you haven't yeah. accepted. I was, was going to say Facebook. That you're going, you're going, you're really going. That's how you know you're old. Yeah. When you t- kids well, don't use Facebook anymore. It's just straight to Instagram. That's true, actually. Yeah, yeah. Everybody, Facebook now is full of We're like not cool anymore. Like think about it, Facebook would have been like when we were in school, man. Facebook wasn't there when I was in school. That was there when I was in school. I'm a little bit younger than you. But like, what year you, did you graduate? Oh, seven. Was Facebook around since I was seven? Sorry, no, I, oh six. I repeated in oh seven. Yeah, yeah. I didn't know when I was that long. I've only on it since I was oh nine. Yeah, well, they you were even at that time. Bebo first. Nearly ten years. Bebo. Yeah. Jesus. Thank God, that's. There was an app no last. No one will ever see them again. Yeah. But there was an <laughs> app out last on. year. Oh, I know. I went and deleted my. Oh, Did records you? as soon as I saw the bloody app just to be safe. <laughs> it's There's like, not where you could just go back to your Vivo. It's like yeah, just give your email, wasn't it? I can't remember what. I just I don't even know. I remember email, going on. It's like oh no, cringe, cringe, cringe. cringe. It's like did you ever see them top uh, fifteen mates and all. Oh, stop! People drawing your wall and you can give them love and all. <laughs> remember them? Um, did you ever see the lads like the, like the celebrities and people find their MySpace page from before they were famous? Yeah, and all the cringy photos. Oh, oh man, that's how the Arctic Monkeys made it, wasn't it? MySpace. Oh, no idea. Yeah, it was. no idea. Um, deadly Dara, we are Brilliant. out of time thanks man. for your time but, uh, it was excellent. Oh, pleasure lads absolutely love that Mero yes where are we on social media media um, we're on facebook WTS pod Ireland facebook.com forward slash okay yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> 
Twitter at yeah. WTS Pod. Come on. You're at Dan Joe Murray. I'm yeah. at Mary Gamania. Yeah. Um, we're in Fitzpatrick's Castle Hotel. Yeah. This has been WTS 114. Oh my God, he hasn't told him where they can listen to all 113 previous chapters plus four episodes of the 600. Where can you listen to them? On iTunes, on stage, or on Podbean, Podcast Republic, Podcast Addict, anywhere and everywhere there's a podcast, just search WTS Pod or go to WTSPod.com, lads, and we'll be there waiting for you with these dulcet tones just whispering in your ear as you go to sleep at night. It's not creepy, it's beautiful. Your dulcet tones. We're also at Dublin Podcast Festival, get tickets. Yep. Uh, working on school this uh, September 26th. Absolutely, yeah. Dara, once again, thanks a million. Mero, thanks a million. Thank you. Until next yeah, week, thanks. mate. Heroes. Full hearts. Can't lose. Look. Too sweet.